Chagika Perik Base Mishnehei two five, and now the Mishnah turns to a new topic, the topic of Tuma and Tahara, um, purifying oneself, being Matahir oneself for various things, um, and in truth, that's not a topic which really would belong in our Masechta, in as much as our Masechta is focused on halachas that are peculiar to the Gimel Rogalim, the three pilgrimage festivals. However, in the next chapter. Perik Vav, excuse me, Perik Gimel Mishnavav um, says an amazing leniency regarding Tuma and Tahara, which applies only during the end of the three Regalim. So uh, the Mishnah here will begin to build up the various strictures, rabbinic strictures that are put in place under normal circumstances to ensure that um, one is very mindful of keeping things Torah as they ought to be, and mindful that when one deals, when one deals with sanctified foods, etc., that he engages them in a, in a respectful way that affords them the respect and weight they deserve. So um, our mission will talk about here in Mishnah, hey, washing of the hands, Natilas Yadaim, and from a Doraisa perspective, from the Torah's perspective, a person either could be Tameh, Richly impure or tahor, richly pure, um, and that's either an all or nothing matter regarding his body. So there's no such thing as having just your hands be tame and the rest be tahor or vice versa. No such thing on the Torah perspective. However, the rabbis did make a series of decrees over the generations, um, whereby under certain scenarios the hands would be considered to be tame even if. The rest of the body were tahor. So a person on a Doraisa Torah level is tahor, but his hands are treated as tame anyways. Those are all rabbinic in nature. There were several uh, decrees. The upshot, meaning the end of the process, is that if one touches anything which um, is even rabbinically tame, like tame food, um, or let's say Kisve Kodesh, a Torah scroll, so those things are afforded the status of tuma, then they make the hands tame. Um, as a shame latum, as a secondary tame thing, even though the rest of the person's body remains tahor. And once tame, he has to purify his hands before he deals with truma and kajim and so on. So our mission will focus on the hand washing requirements um, before engaging with various levels of sanctity. Now, in addition to hands being tame, if they touch something which is tame, the one of the famous 18 enactments, which we talk about in the first chapter of Masech HaShabbos, um, is that stam yadaim, hands that you don't know for a fact to be clean and pure, are assumed to be tame, are, are declared tame, because one's hands are askanios hand. Hands get around the place, they touch stuff they shouldn't touch, and dirty things, they, you scratch places that are normally, you know, covered and therefore sweaty and disgusting, which makes your hands dirty and disgusting. And therefore, the rabbi said, any hands which are not known to be clean, you haven't been mindful of keeping them clean and tower, are then assumed to be tame and have to be washed again before you engage with various things we'll see in our Mishnah here. Now, in addition to those two things, that hands can be rabbinically tame and all hand, by touching something which is tame, and also that all hands are assumed to be tame, unless you know otherwise, there's a third rabbinic enactment, uh, which is that when one eats bread in a bread meal, he has to wash his hands first prior to eating the bread. That 
unlike the previous issues, Islam which applies even Bismarck has nowadays. And the rationale is really twofold. There are two reasons given. One is that simply for the sake of Nikias and Kedusha, for cleanliness and um, sanctity, one shouldn't eat a meal unless his hands are clean. And secondly, there's an issue of what's called Srach Truma, which means it's dragged in because of Truma, so that the Kohanim, when they eat their Truma food, they have to wash their hands first, as we'll explain more in the mission in a moment. So therefore, so people should be in the good habit of washing hands, the rabbis agreed that when people eat meals, and the structure of a meal, of almost the definition of a formal meal in time of Chazal, is one that involves baked grain, bread. So um, one has to wash his hands prior to eating that bread and that bread meal. And that we're familiar with today, of course. And again, there's those two rationales going on here. Both cleanliness, sanctity is the first, as well as shrach, truma, to keep people in good practice, and that's still applicable today. So now, the mission will detail hand-washing requirements um, on five levels. There are five levels of sanctity that have to be watched, each one above the next, um, which will play themselves out in the next few Mishnayas. So those levels are, first of all, the lowest is chulin, regular food. Now, regular food, non-consecrated food, actually can be eaten in a state of tumah. There's no problem. There's no restriction, no prohibition. There's no issue. Nevertheless, there were many people um, called Prushim, as well as the Ram says, Tamle Chachamim, who were careful to eat even their chulin, their regular food, as if it were more sanctified, Kodesh, and to therefore keep it tahor, keep it pure. So that's the first level. Above that is Miser Sheni. The Mishnah referred to it as Miser. Um, but unlike Miser Rishon, the gift to the Levi, and Miser Ani, the gift to the poor, that's given in years three and six of the Shemitah cycle, um, those things, Miser Rishon and, and Miser Ani, are just chulin. They're in that first category. But Miser Sheni, the second tithe, which is the food that's to be eaten in Yerushalayim, is invested with a Kedusha from the Torah perspective, and therefore um, it's held to a higher standard. And before one uh, eats Meister Shani food, he has to wash his hands. Uh, that's true both for Meister Shani bread or even Meister Shani non-bread foods. Hand washing is required first, as we'll detail detailed in a moment in the Mishnah. Above Meister Shani is Truma, the Cohen's portion. Truma really includes in this context um, Truma, Truma Gadola, the initial gift to the Cohen, that 150th, if you will as well as Trumas Meiser, the gift the Levi gives the Kohen, as well as Chala, the portion taken from dough, as well as Bikurim, the first fruits. All those are included here. They have to be, um, they're susceptible to Tuma, um, and on a higher level than the previous two, and therefore one must wash his hands before not only eating them, but even touching Truma. Now, when it comes to Chulun and also Meiser Sheni, the most distant those things can be exposed in terms of the chain um, they can be exposed to from the original tumor source and still be considered tummy is what's called a shani, a second degree removed, which means, to oversimplify things for a second, if you have an ava tumor, a source of tumor, and it touches something, that something becomes a reshone first degree removed, and if that then touches the food, the food becomes second a shani, second step removed um, tumor source, and chulin can become shani. But if chulin food then touches a shani latuma, it itself doesn't become tummy. There's no such thing as chulin food or maishashani food becoming a shlishi latuma, third step removed from the tuma source. In contrast, truma can become a shlishi, and therefore, again, um, if 
hands need to be washed since until they're washed they have the status of being a shani. So then anytime unwashed hands would touch truma, they would render the truma puzzle unfit. And in fact, with their bun, the truma that has to be burned. Okay, so you have to wash your hands also before touching truma. That's the third level. The higher level than that, the fourth level is kudshim. Kudshim is sacrificial foods, um, including like meats as well as menachos, meal offerings, and so on. And kudshim um, is susceptible even to a fourth step, to revi'i, removed, and therefore is treated to a higher status yet. And then finally, there's a fifth category, which the Mishnah here refers to as chatas, referring to the mechatas, the purification waters that are derived from um, the ashes of the paraduma mixed with spring water. And for whatever reasons that I don't want to get into right now, it's held to a super high standard of purity in its manufacture and transportation, etc. And therefore, it's like it's susceptible even not just to revi, but like ad infinitum, it can become a shishi in a, revi, in a thousandth step removed and still be considered a tummy. Um, and therefore, it's got an even higher standard. And therefore, the Mishnah says, given that we have these five gradations of how susceptible to tumah and how kadosh we treat these items, there are different rules. The Mishnah says, notenly yadayim, you should wash your, you must wash your hands, uh, meaning taking a revius, we call that 125 milliliters, very roughly, um, of water. There's a range of sheets from 86 to 150 cc, whatever. And pour that over your hands. That's called natilas yadayim. You must do that prior to lechulin, before you eat chulin, regular food. Again, assuming we're talking about here someone who wants to keep his chulin in a state of tahara. Um, as if it were Kodesh, or someone who is eating bread. Ula Meiser. Um, also, you have to wash your hands before engaging with Meiser, eating it. That's even true if it's not bread. Ula Truma. And also, before engaging with the Truma, even just touching it and not eating it, you have to wash your hands prior to touching it. Otherwise, your hands are considered to be Shneem under normal circumstances, and they would render the Truma puzzle unfit and have to be burned. But Ula Kodesh, if you're planning on touching or eating Kodesh, kachim food. So then, matbilin, a simple natila, hand washing by pouring a revius of water over the hands is not sufficient. Um, instead, you have to immerse your hands in a mikvah. A kosher mikvah with 40 saw. Not your whole body, but just your hands in the mikvah. And vilachatas, if you're going to be engaging with the mechatas, the purification waters from the paraduma, the red heifers. So then, imnitmu um, yadav, if your hands became tamay by touching some, which is a Source of tumma, like tummy food or kisvikodesh, sefator, etc. So then, nitma gufa, we treat the whole body as if it were tummy, meaning immersing your hands in a mikvah is not enough. You have to put your whole body in a mikvah, and, you know, in theory, even your feet would be able to, if you touch with your hands the Torah scroll or the tummy food, even your feet now can't come into contact with the mechatas, the paraduma water. Um, that's true, of course, if you actually were, pro, you know, you, you were in fact, Exposed by coming to contact, your hands coming in contact with a tumor source. But if we're just talking about the generic stamiyadaim, hands that hadn't been maintained clean, you know, act proactively, so then although those hands are tame, immersing them in a mikvah would be sufficient. You don't need to actually go into the mikvah. So as the Mishnah says, imnitmu yadav, if your hands become exposed to tumor directly for real, as opposed to just the passive stamiyadaim, any old hands being tame, so then um, you could put your hands in a mikvah like kachim and that would be sufficient.